Hi, and welcome to the Tech UK podcast. I'm Sue Daly, Director of Technology and Innovation here at Tech UK. And my guest today is James Edison, Chief Technology Officer at Octopus Energy. We're going to be talking all about the key technologies right now that are transformative and matter to UK tech leaders. We're going to be discussing some of the enablers or ingredients that will be important to the UK becoming a science and tech superpower as we look forward. And then we're going to be exploring the technologies that we think might be key to our digital future. But first, before we get into all of those great questions, welcome, James. It's really great to have you with us. Can you just perhaps introduce yourself and your role to everybody listening? Thank you, Sue. I mean, you introduced me. I'm James Edison. I was a co-founder of the Octopus Energy Group, as it now is, and uh, have been CTO since uh, since day one. Well, thanks for, thanks for that uh, introduction. So perhaps before we get into some of the questions around the technologies, I know people would love to know, and I would definitely love to know, how did you first get into computing or tech or IT? And where did your journey perhaps start? As a kid, I played with computers and they were fun. And I probably not so much played games, but liked coding a few lines of BBC Basic or, or, or the like. And then the the early IBM PCs came along and this is before the days of Windows. So it was, it was all very much command line based. And uh, I thought with great insight that there'd never be a career in computing. So I was determined to be an engineer. And so I went off to university to read engineering. After a few years working in engineering, somebody said, hey, you're quite good at this um, computing side of things. And I fell back into IT uh, a few years after, after my career started. That's great. I mean, it's, it's, it's so interesting to hear and, and where people's journey started. And you mentioned BBC Basic. I mean, my first ever computer was the BBC Micro and so many leaders, so many people working in tech. That was one of the very, the start of, of them getting into technology and computers. So really, really fascinating. So thank you. So bringing us all like up to date, what does a day in your life and an octopus look like now? You know, what, what does a day t technically or typically look like? I think one of the great things of my job is no two days are the same. I think the if I'm in the office, the biggest pleasure is 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 meeting people. I've got an, a, an awesome team, and just to be able to connect with them and make sure that they are also sort of feeling very much part of the part of the organization and that their work is valued and understood and 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 to give guidance or support or, or whatever one can do that's probably one of the things i enjoy most we have a platform we kraken i think there's a it's very much a two-way learning happening as as we develop the platform i hope i'm still able to give a good steer on on the direction in terms of its evolution but equally, we now have teams who are building it, and I need to know what their, what their ideas are and making sure that my understanding is being updated and or you know, they're aligned to, to my ideas. It's, it's very much a two-way road. I get to talk with our customers quite a lot, both our sort of licensing customers of Kraken, but also our consumers who are customers of Octopus Energy. Some of them reach out to me directly or some issues get escalated to me. And I think it's really important to still be in touch with, with with customers and to use our own tools for helping to solve their problems, understanding what those problems are 
and understanding what the roles of the people using our software within the organization are. I'm afraid if I'm not hands-on, I'm not as good at really understanding what the problems we're trying to solve are. And then understanding not just the, the problems you're trying to solve, but how the right technologies that are needed for the right issues and um, solutions are needed, right, by the business. Correct. So you talked a little bit about Kraken there. So and I, I know I know from understanding, you know, that you've developed your own technology and platforms, Octopus Energy. And I listened to a podcast from Inside Octopus Energy and it talked about building your own technology was on the business plan from day one. So perhaps can you tell us a little bit about Kraken and, and the technology and solutions that you have developed? And you alluded to there how it's being used by the business, but also how it's being used by others. I'm sure people would be fascinated to, to know more. So yeah, people often ask us, why did you set out to build Kraken? In that very first business plan, we really had three reasons, uh, which were to create our own efficiencies, genuine differentiation, and managing uh, managing our own data. That was it, that was it from the outset, and I had cause to uh, double check this um, as we passed our seven seven year anniversary of our first sort of first commit of Kraken, uh, first pull request a few months ago. And it, it, it genuinely, that predated even the company being registered or an, any application for licenses or, or such like. So it is absolutely true that we were technology first. I think there's also a thing which is, you know, previously, Greg and I had spent 15 years building technology for other people and big enterprises. And so it's kind of like, it, it, that, you know, we are, the, we, are, we are people who like to build, build software and, and use technology for ourselves. The energy business, um, you know, which has been a delight to be part of that journey on, you know, has meant that instead of the frustration of being dependent upon sort of like sales and then customers usage, we've we've been able to have very rapid iteration between really understanding what the needs of the business are and defining the business to work with the software as much as the software to work to the needs of a of a of a given business. So we've been able to develop both the both, both the um, technology and the way of working in in, in conjunction, and you know, that that has undoubtedly been a really powerful uh, opportunity. Fascinating journey you've been on, and you say seven years, which, which is amazing. So in that time and the journey that you and obviously Greg Jackson and others have been on in in building Octopus Energy, as you say, as a digital, as a tech first kind of organization, what are the technologies that have really been instrumental in enabling you to do that or be where you are today? What stands out for you? Has it, you know, has it been advances in data technologies? Is is it how computing, how that's enabled you to, you know, develop those tools and technologies? Or what are the technologies that you think have been really instrumental in getting you to where you are today? I think for the outset, the the two really key differentiators, one was cloud computing. It's meant that we've designed Kraken knowing that we can have that sort of um, ability to sort of scale horizontally and that robustness. So we've never had any on-premise infrastructure or, or computing and the constraints of that that, that, that uh, brings. The other, I, I'm going to say, is, is related to the um, cloud computing perhaps, but it is the continuous integration, continuous deployment. So we've very much followed a path of having high test coverage, test-driven development from the outset and deploying continuously and iterating continuously. So we've been able to do to, to react remarkably quickly either to problems 
opportunities or even just great ideas. I remember one one case fairly early on where one of our developers was talking to one of the um, team supporting customers who, who we call the sort of operations team and saw them taking out a pocket calculator to add some numbers up. Well, they were taking numbers down off the screen and transferring them onto a pocket calculator. And, and, and the developer said, do you do that often? Because obviously they're using a computing device. And, and yes, that, that's quite a common request from customers. So the developer said, well, I can just make it, you could click on the numbers and we have a little on-screen calculator, which is um, like a little ticker tape at the side. And um, that can do it for you. And that, you know, that from idea to delivery into the solution was about four hours. And yeah, that kind of responsiveness to usability and, and ideas you know, created collaboratively really does sort of like take your take the users on a journey with you, as well as obviously delivering uh, incremental efficiency. Now, now we're deploying upwards of 150 times a day to multiple instances of Kraken around the world. To do that with confidence means you have to have an astonishing level of test coverage. I think it's about 90,000 tests which run on every single deployment now. So we are pushing the um, we're pushing the boundaries. I think of the tooling we're using, people like uh, Circle CI, and and yet we've got absolute confidence that uh, we can just deploy very very rapidly. Really amazing examples, and I love how you bring it back to what the customer needs as well, and responding to customer requirements and customer needs as and when. And I think we we hear this a lot, particularly around our cloud work of how the cloud provides that ability to have that agile flexibility, scalability, so key to, to organizations of all size and sector, you know, as, as, they've, as they've gone through their journey. And it sounds like it's been the same for you guys as well. Yes. So just thinking also around, you know, the, the technologies that have been key and what it's enabled you to do, and you, you, you touched on there around challenges or, or barriers. So on this journey that you've been on, have there been key you know, challenges or barriers for you for experience in implementing tech? or implementing the right tech for the right solutions. And I wondered, in, are there any challenges that you face and how have you overcome them? Because I think people are always keen to you know, learn what's, what, what's worked for others, if that makes sense. There's, there's a couple of challenges which are, are worth sharing. One is scaling. And we are scaling in, I like to think of it as about three or four dimensions at the same time. The size of our instances is is, is scaling. So when we started off after the first year, we had maybe 20,000 customers on a single instance. We now have 5 million on a single instance. We, uh, we're scaling in the, uh, and, and that drives the sort of like volume of contact and data and, 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 and such like. We're scaling in the breadth of what we're doing. We're scaling internationally. So there's, there's at least three dimensions. On the pure scale one, I've always been relatively relaxed that because we're using the, the same sort of technologies, um, which are sort of well proved in other industries, that whilst we might not have the, um, the, the the answers immediately, or we may not be set up, you don't set up an infrastructure for multi millions of customers on day one when you've only got a handful of customers. You know, we are following a path where the where the solutions are there. And that's where the continuous situation and, and deployment comes, comes really handy. 
because it's it, it's trying to map that evolution. So when you start to get to a point where you've got a bottleneck, or economically it's worth investing in the in the next level of of growth, you're, you're learning the solutions and adapting to them, but you're not necessarily having to reinvent things. There are some areas where I think you know our, our team will have invented the the nuances or the the elements to to adapt to our particular needs and environment. But it's more having um, having foresight to know that you're going to be on that journey and have the tooling and the approach which allows you to adapt it at the appropriate time. Thanks, James. That's really, I know that's going to be helpful to a lot of people listening because um, learning from others is, is part of what we try to do here at Tech UK and by bringing the industry together. So perhaps let's broaden out this conversation a little bit because the key part of the conversation here at Tech UK and across the UK right now is looking at the future, looking obviously at how this industry is developing, but also how we're making sure that we're getting tech right for the people, for our economy, for our society, and of course, the planet. And part of that conversation right now is, is how the UK can become a leader you know, in, in tech and innovation and the UK as a science and tech superpower is, is a term we're hearing a lot more about. You know, the UK government right now has a vision for the UK to be a, a real global leader in this area. And we saw in the recent autumn statement, the Chancellor talking about wanting to turn UK into the next Silicon Valley. So it's a real a conversation right now of the UK as uh, a science and tech superpower. How do we make that happen, and how do we, how do we get that right? Not just for our industry, but for I would say for every industry across the whole of the UK and for every region of the UK. I just wondered whether you agree with this this vision of the UK as a science and tech superpower, given particularly you know the work that you're driving and and Optimus Energy is, is driving, and if so, you know what, what if that's the right direction to travel. What do we need to do to to get that right in the UK? What 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 would be your your point of view on this? Let me frame this in the context of the industry, which I obviously understand best now, which is this sort of energy uh, transition. And then there'll be perhaps some 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 wider points from that. I think we are a leader in the energy transition. Uh, you you know there are a couple of companies based in the UK who are now licensing and promoting solutions worldwide, of which Kraken is is very much a, a, a leading part of it. And I think that comes in part from the fact that our energy market is reasonably sort of deregulated and competitive to allow different solutions, different companies to come forward with, with solutions. I think it could go much further in terms of, and there's still elements of, 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 of the market which are Quite centrally managed, and and it's it's having the competitive it's it's having the right landscape, which both allows the technologies to emerge and to be proven, uh, to be supporting the in this case the energy transition. That is it, it, that you know, that is something I think um, you know, government and and regulators can pay attention to, because then we get a double benefit in terms of both supporting the transition and having the technologies proven in, in, in a way octopus's own story is you know, we, you know growing the retail business allowed us to you know, prove the viability and 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 of the technology you know i think we can do that on a nationwide basis of saying look if we if we 
crack on with the transition ourselves and we develop the technologies to support that, that is something which as a nation we can export externally uh, around the world. Really, really interesting. And thank you so much for that insight, uh, and particularly in terms of the work that, that you guys are driving in this area. And I suppose one of the questions is kind of linked to what I wanted to talk about and touch about the future and what the future might look like. Because we're looking at Tech UK and do we have the, you know, what are the key ingredients of making us that, that superpower and that, that tech and innovation vision a reality? And I suppose in that way, thinking about the technologies that we have today, James, but also the technologies that we know are going to be part of our digital future. So I just wondered, um, I'd love to pick your brains a little bit in terms of, are there any key technology developments, digital innovations that you see coming down the line that um, excite you or you think are going to be really important to not just getting this vision right, but also, you know, our digital future? What, what, what excites you about the innovations that you're seeing come through industry and or not just this industry, but in others maybe? So on a purely technical basis, I think there are two things which are really important to us now and and I think are going to have the biggest impact over the next 12 months or so. One of them is the sort of like rapid processing of large amounts of data. And that, that itself is sort of like massively underpinned by the cloud computing we were talking about earlier. But we are now looking at real-time monitoring of energy consumption across tens of thousands, if not millions of, uh, of touch points. We're looking at uh, how do you sort of like get to real time visibility on the distribution networks, control and optimization of tens of thousands of an ever increasing number, very rapidly increasing number, to be honest, of, uh, of devices, whether that's sort of car charging or controlling heat pumps or, or, or such like it's. We're moving from a world in which you have had a relatively few, we call it hundreds, of generating units, which used to be power stations, and a, a, a job of balancing the grid, which was very much saying, you know, we will turn on and off those units to meet customer demand, to one in which you are, you have millions of generating units, everything from individual solar panels and, and batteries and, and, and such like. So you've got a lot more flexibility and and variability in the uh, on on the generation side, and on the con on the consumption side, it is no longer a question of simply sort of say, you know, being being a sort of passively following what consumers are demanding. It, it's again more of a two way street, in that you know, if you build trust and relationships with consumers, there are activities you can do through to to influence demand either through tariff changes or through incentives or indeed through direct control of devices as we do with our intelligent octopus and and you have consumers trust to control exactly when their car is charging overnight and so it's a it's much more of a, a increasing it's an opportunity of balancing when when demand is to when generation is with a lot more need for managing that flexibility the other technology i think of uh, a particular note is AI, and I, I've got to got to say I've I've not wanted to jump into using too much AI too quickly. 
I, as a, as a, as a consumer myself, you know, phoning up certain certain providers, and they, and and then they sort of say, please tell us what you're phoning about. I inevitably get um, into a sort of like a, a wall of frustration of of, of like, no, I, you're you're not understanding my question. Can I just talk to a person? But I think you know our, our original aim. Uh, with Octopus and, and 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 building Kraken was to improve the efficiency and therefore be able to lower costs for customers. I think it, uh, there are increasing opportunities with AI where we can massively increase uh, the 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 efficiency of uh, of our operations, and I think that can lead to better customer care. I also think one of the things we didn't overtly say was a goal when we started, but has been a massive a massive benefit, is actually making the job of the energy specialist looking after customers more pleasurable. I think we get better retention and um, motivation of people by being able to give them a, a, a more rewarding job where they're actually engaged with customers and solving customer problems rather than fighting IT and systems which are restricting them in what they're doing. So I think it, it has been a very much a virtuous, um, uh, a virtuous circle there, which is Ideally, you know, we have smart and engaged team members providing better customer care at lower cost to serve. And that is what I think technology can, can do. And I think AI is going to take us on another big step along that way. Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised to hear, James, that when we ask this kind of question and, and we raise this particularly in our work on data and digital ethics and, and AI, and it is the importance of data. It always Every conversation comes down to data and getting data right, data quality, of course, as well as data availability. But that that point about trust, and I would say trust and confidence as well, is is so important for 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 us realizing the potential of all of these technologies, as you say, not just in the workplace, but but with um individuals and with the broader society as well. So it's a it's a theme that that definitely comes up in other areas. And you talked there about retention and keeping people and and it's a really interesting point. I just wondered whether looking at you know the kind of the data future and AI future and our technology future, is there anything that we need to be thinking about in terms of you think that might be holding us back? So you know, retaining people or is it is it do you have the people that you need? Are you finding that you know, you're getting the people with the right skills in, in the industry or is trust and confidence the one that you would focus on in terms of what might hold us back or what, what we might need to really get to grips with as we move forward? So I think the, um, the, the, the question of, you know, retention and you know, attracting talented people, you know, that this plays across the whole business, not just in the, um, uh, not just in the tech team. I think in the in the tech team, I think in, in, for my team, I think we're we're helped by a number of factors. I, you know, we have a we have a good brand. I think it's really important that when you you know when somebody asks you what you do, and you're sort of talking to friends or family, you get a positive reaction, and people are supportive, and and the brand and the values that we we genuinely live and breathe that that very much helps that. I think it, the quality of the of the technology that you have again, is going to help attract talented people. I am hugely delighted and a little surprised sometimes, you know, when people of high reputation join us and make a comment like, oh, this is the first place I've joined. And then when I've actually looked at the source code, 
I've not sort of felt, oh dear, I need to start rewriting it. And you know, that is testament to to what the team themselves have have built and the way that they define this, the standards and and also are able to iterate to make sure that some of the original code written by bad coders like me is is brought up to the standards which they now set. And I, you know, so I think that sort of um, the values of the company, the mission of the company, the quality of the code base, the responsibility and freedoms we give people to be sort of improving those those standards, and perhaps above all, also the quality of the people you're working with, because good attracts good in 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 this area. So we've been you know, we've been very fortunate. Um, I think all of those things drive retention. I'll make one other. One other point as well, though, which is unfortunately in the tech sector, we are still too often only playing to half the possible pool of talent in terms of our sort of diversity. And so that is something which we very much try to encourage that we are building a more diverse workforce uh, and team, because I think it's very well proven that actually that creates a better working environment. And again, good attracts good. And and so the more of a sort of inclusive workforce you have, I think it in it um it helps promote and attract more talent. And so we can actually be trying to, you know, we're 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 fishing in hundred percent of the sea rather than fifty percent of the sea. Completely agree with you. And it's a really core area of our work here at Tech UK is is how do we make that happen and how do we bring more people into this industry and sector and particularly in my mind James as we're, we're talking about more technologies like AI and, and data driven how do we make it ethical and responsible and to me having diversity in teams that are not just developing those technologies but applying them and using them is is key to getting that right so I think I agree. Diversity is important on on so so many levels, and definitely something that we we need to be working together more on, and and as a as an industry and sector doing more on going forward. So finally, James, we're coming to the end of our time. It always goes so quickly, and it's been fascinating talking. But I just wanted to, as I have you, to get one final question in, if I can. Given your experience and your insights in terms of how technology has developed and the, the journey you've been on for many years, we've got a lot of people listening to this. So what advice would you give to tech leaders right now, perhaps those looking to approach and adopt and deploy new technologies, or perhaps those starting out even in their career and thinking what's next for them? So what advice would you give to, to those people listening? I think the the single biggest factor in our success has been the uh, team, both within the tech side, but also the, the the wider business. Having continuity of people through through many years, having really talented people, and then allowing them to use their talents and and make their contributions. If you tie them up in bureaucracy, if you sort of promote them out of doing the jobs where they're using their talents into trying to um, frankly do things which they're less interested in or less good at, you're, you're stifling your opportunities. Greg has a saying about building a team and he, he sort of says, instead of building a wall of bricks, we're building a dry stone wall in which every individual is a different sort of shape and size. And we're trying to say, how do they fit together to make a wall which will stand for hundreds of years and be, and be strong, but it's built of individuals. Because if you've got talented individuals and you can put them together into a strong team, each doing what they are what they are great at, then they're also going to be they're the ones who are going to be giving you the the answers which are right for your for your business and your environment. 
Well, thanks, James. It's great that we're ending. We're talking about technology, but we're ending on people and the importance of people and teams. Thank you so much, James, for being part of the Tech UK podcast today and sharing your insights and your your experiences of where we are today and also perhaps where we're heading. It's been fascinating to have you with us. So thank you so much. And thank you to everybody that's listening. Please come back again to hear more from Tech UK very soon. Thank you, everybody. And goodbye.